Amen. Thank you, choir and Pam. And all right, Brandy, what's the story on walking to church? Do you live close to the building or what? Okay. <laughs> I figured it was close. And, well, I've got a walking to church story that'll uh, hopefully will be a, an encouragement to you all. And I hadn't thought about it in however many, many, many years, decades, till he mentioned that. My first or second year in college, one Sunday, uh, I walked to church, and it was probably a mile close to it from my dorm. Uh, I went to Clemson University. This was First Baptist Clemson, this several blocks from campus. It started raining while we were walking, and, and my buddies and I, who weren't going together, they lived in a different dorm. We had those little pop-up you know, umbrella things that people give you for graduation, and I think all it keeps dry is your head, you know, basically. So we got to the front steps of the church on the porch, and Barry, Eric, and I, Barry and Eric Brown and I, were standing there, and we were drenched from about here, you know, from about right here down. I mean drenched. And it wasn't raining that hard. It's just that when you're going forward, you know, that umbrella didn't do much. And we were standing there laughing. Barry and Eric's dad was my pastor that I grew up with. And we were just dripping wet, and, and Eric he said, you know, because we were talking about, do we? can we even go in there? They're going to get mad at us because it looks like we got out of a swimming pool. We're going to wet the pew and wet the floor and everything. We were that wet. And Eric said, I don't know what we're going to do right now, but I know as soon as I get home, I'm calling my daddy and saying, Daddy, I walked to church in the rain because he heard all those stories all of his life. And uh, But what we did talk about late, I don't remember if we went in church wet or not. I don't remember that. But the thing we we laughed about later on that day or the next day is we said, you know, we didn't necessarily consciously make a decision today about what we were going to do because our church ingrained it in us that it's Sunday and Sunday is a day to worship. And whether it's raining or not, didn't make it that process didn't click. And so we, we laughed about it. And then I, I told Barry and Eric, I said, well, your dad... Uh, he, he poured into all of us well. You know, he just, he taught us that God comes first. And, and what I want us to take a few minutes this morning to talk about is you're going to go to your next step. And, and for, for those of us who were beyond school or, or maybe in different levels of school, uh, this message is for all of us too. Just like last week, Mother's Day wasn't just for mothers. This isn't just for graduates. But there are some anchors in life that are what's going to see you through. And you're going to go on, and whether you go to work, you're going to get a job and, and hopefully go up that ladder and do better and better and learn more and more in your job. Or you're going to go to school, and, and you may be in a few years in this bulletin again as a graduate of a college or a, a medical school. But there are some anchors that are absolutely critical for you to be what you can be and who you can be. This in the, in the last book of the Old Testament, and this is, this is written really as a reprimand, these verses, to Israel for what they'd done. But in, in Malachi chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, the scripture says this, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to priests who despise my name? Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Uh, first of all, one of the anchors that will hold you for the rest of your life is your God. Looking at and remembering who God is. In this scripture, Israel has, they've been blessed and God just poured out blessings on them, folks, a lot like us, the United States. 
We've been blessed in this century or centuries like Israel was back then. And the Israelites had forgotten it. They had taken it for granted. And, and what God's saying to them here is, A son honors his father, a servant his master. If I am father, where's my honor? So for you all who are moving forward, again, you're going to take a job or you're going to sit under teaching of different professors at different schools. But the one who foremost of all deserves honor is God. Honoring him and putting him first. There's some scriptures that I want us to to think about and meditate. Isaiah 40 verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with a span, that's from across your hand. Calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Oh my, that's the God we serve. The water's in the palm of his hand. And measured the heavens with a span across, like this. We can't, we measured in the light years and God said, oh, I measure that with my hand. That's the God who's in control of your lives. And then in, in Proverbs 30 verse 4. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? And then in, in Revelation chapter 1, talking about his son. What an incredible, incredible verse. And I, John, turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like the flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in all its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. So your beginning point, your anchor number one, is God. Who God is and, and having a view of who he is. That all the stuff you're going to hear... And all of the things you're going to learn, they're going to make you stronger and better in whatever field God leads you in. You're going to meet more people and, and your, your horizons are going to broaden. But never, never forget the fact that God is your anchor. He is the one. He's who we worship. And if he can measure the, the heavens and the stars like this, one, two, three. And yet he says that he loves you and me. And that a sparrow can't even fall to the earth without him knowing. And he knows our lives. We can trust him. There will be people throughout who, who, who teach you things and you'll learn things. Uh, but when I went to seminary, I was kind of concerned about some of the stuff I learned in here. And, and I was talking to Eric and Barry's daddy, Fred. 
Fred Brown, and Fred said, my pastor, he said, well, Paul, keep an open mind. He said, but remember, the purpose of an open mind is to close on something. And when you learn principles and foundations of life, wrap your mind around it and grab it and hang on to it. And that'll be your anchor. That'll be your strength. And so first of all, it's who God is. In Israel, they had lost their honor of God. And they were looking at their own selves. But there's also the the next part of, of the scripture talks about not only their God, but the gifts that they gave to God. He says this in verse 7, You offered defiled food on my altar, but you say, In what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible, and you offer the blind as a sacrifice. Is it not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? And then verse 9, But now entreat God's favor that he be gracious to us, while this is being done with your hands. Will you? Will he accept you favorably, uh, says the Lord of hosts? So God's saying, let your gift be everything. You know, it's, it's tempting for us sometimes. We're going to give God leftovers. And when you get to the schedule that you got ahead and, and all that's going to be pulling and the different directions that, that people are going to take you, uh, sometimes God takes a back burner and we're going to give him the, the scraps of time and the scraps of resources and the scraps of talent. And uh, we're, we're not going to give him our very, very best. And, and God says here, uh, don't give me your rejects. Now think about it. He asked this question. He says, give it to your governor. Can you imagine a month from now or a, or a few years from now, you're working for somebody and you call the boss and you say, listen, boss, it's raining today. I don't believe I'm coming. They might say, that's fine. Don't come. Don't come tomorrow, don't come the next day, don't come. And yet sometimes with God, we want to put him on the back burner. I know I've, I've been guilty of that. That there are other things that press and other things that demand my time, and God gets the scraps. And what God's saying here is, put me first. Give me your best. What they're talking about here with the blind and the defects in the burnt offering, which is what they did, they gave God the animals that they couldn't work or they couldn't sell. They were too lame or useless to be able to work in the field, and they couldn't sell them at the market, so they gave that to God. And what he says is, give it to your governor. You know, tax season hadn't been that that long gone, and if, if you're working, you've already paid taxes. But if you're not, that day's coming. And imagine when Uncle Sam comes, and, and April fifteenth comes one year, and you just say to Uncle Sam, "Listen, I'm sorry I hadn't paid any taxes, but I ain't got any left over. I ain't got any extra." They're probably gonna what they'll do then is seize your bank account and say, "No, it doesn't work quite that way." And God's saying, "Put me first. Now, most of the time we look at this scripture and we think about money. But what God's talking about here is life. He's saying, put me first in your life. I want to have your, your, your first moments of the day, your first moments of your resources, your first moments of your talent. Put me first. Put me first. And it's interesting is, is uh, the, the verse 10 God says, who is there among you who would shut the doors so that you wouldn't kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, 
nor will I accept an offering from your hands. Now again, this is a negative scripture, but God's saying, don't come to me and worship like that. Close the doors and don't play games with me. Give me your life and give me your everything. Now what happened after this is, there were 400 years when Israel was begging God for his presence. So when he told them in, in Malachi, who would shut the doors uh, after these, these passages, 400 years they waited on Messiah. They didn't hear from God for 400 years. 400 years when Israel's begging him, send the Messiah. You know, in my life, and, and I pray in your life, that it's not going to be like that, that we're not going to have those, those gaps of time when because we've turned our backs on God, that He allows us to have what we want. Now, now think about that. He'll give us what we want. And if we don't want Him, He'll leave us to our own selves. And sometimes there's a significant price to pay. We don't want that for you. You've, you've spent all of these years with people pouring into you, and God's sending you out now, and He wants to bless you. He wants to give you everything. Well, in Romans chapter 12, the first two verses, this was talking about worshiping the Old Testament. Now, this is what God, your anchor, your anchor in who God is, your anchor what you give back to Him. And in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're going to have people who want you to conform to their pattern. You know, they want you to do the, the politically correct or academically correct or according to the business, do the correct thing. They're going to want you to do that. What God says is, don't be conformed to that. Give me your life. That's your service of worship. So not the Old Testament sacrifice of animals, but you're in my sacrifice of who we are. You know, we can trust Him. That God really is worthy of our worship and our praise. You know, sometimes we, we look at life and we think about what we're, what we're giving away and, and what we're surrendering. But the God who measures the heavens with his, his hand and who holds the, the, the winds in his fists and the waters in his garment, that's the one who says he'd take care of you. And when he makes a promise to you, he'll keep his promise. He'll never turn his back on you. Never, ever, ever turn his back on you. You know, there'll be days when you, uh, you know, you wonder what God's got in store for you next. And I'll share a, a lesson I learned. Sophomore year in college, I was taking physics, and physics was never one of my favorite subjects. And I had studied and tried to keep up, but I, I wasn't really grasping it all that, that well. And uh, one night, this is a time when God became more real to me than, than he had been before. I'd done everything I could do, and I was studying, had an exam the next day, and, and just was terrified. And I, I, I overwhelmed, I laid the book on my desk that was right beside my bed, and at that moment I said to God, Now, God, I've done everything I can do. I've studied, and I am just not getting this. I'm not understanding it. 
And the Lord just impressed upon me with his spirit. But Paul, you've done it in your own power, not mine. You need to surrender to me. And so in that moment, I said, Lord, all right, this is yours. I've done my best. And now it's up to you. And the next day, I I honestly made the, the best grade I ever made in physics. Didn't ever do better. But it's not because I was so smart. It was because God was reminding me, I needed you to surrender. I needed you to give up. Do your best. Give everything you've got. But after you have prepared and done your best, you've got to trust me. And let me have the glory rather than Paul have the glory. So this is a time for you. You're taking an important step and a great step and God's going to open doors. But the anchors to remember and to never let go of are your view of God and your view of what you're going to give God. God is infinite and you're going to give Him everything. And those two things will carry you through the rest of life. And they'll carry every one of us through every single day. So we want to challenge you and also encourage you that if those two anchors are the anchors of life, you don't have anything to fear. Bow with me together now as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. We're thankful, God, for who you are. And we're thankful for what you do. And Lord, we want to give back to you everything. We want to surrender to you. And Lord, we don't want to be like Israel when they focus on themselves. We want to focus on you completely. God, for these graduates, they have, they have worked hard and, and they have worked diligently and, and they have, they have put in countless hours and they will as they go forward. And God, we want to pray that as, as you surrender to them the blessings that you pour out, that God, they see your hand, that they see your glory. And that your name is praised in their lives. Lord, we offer this prayer now in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And we pray it for his sake. Amen. Our hymn of invitation and commitment this morning is hymn 476, Be Strong in the Lord. So as we stand together and sing, the altar's open for you to come and and kneel here. But we're going to stand together now and sing in praise to the Lord.
And we want to take a moment so the graduates will be here at the front. And uh, if you would come and, and give them the right hand of fellowship and, and commit your prayers to them, uh, tell them uh, how proud you are of them for the work they've done and excited for what God's going to do next in their lives. So if y'all would, y'all come to the front, ladies and, or lady and gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have a chance to speak to you. But uh, let's bow together now as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. Thankful for what you do and thankful for what you've got in store for these, uh, these men and this woman. Uh, God, you've got a great plan. And you promised that you had plans for them and for us for good and not for evil to, to prosper us, to give us hope in a future. God, we surrender that to you and these, these uh, young adults to you. And God, our greatest prayer is that you'll be glorified in their lives. That your light will shine in a dark, dark world. Lord, we thank you as we offer this prayer in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.